Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host, Tom Gerrard. Uh, this episode, I'm sitting down with Husk Mitnall, who's a artist from Copenhagen in Denmark. How are you going? I'm doing all right. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm at my studio right now, so uh, just finishing my day's work. It's almost weekend. Yeah. <laughs> here in week- Copenhagen. It is weekend here. You know, yeah. Okay. Just, just. <laughs> But um, so you uh, do you spend every day in the studio? Well, yeah, mostly. Uh, I have kids, so they they go to school in kindergarten. So I, uh, when they are there, I I'm here, and uh, so I pick them up in the afternoon, and I try not to work weekends because uh, yeah, well, I like to spend time with my kids, and uh, and then I work a bit in the evening. When they sleep, I uh, write emails and do all the boring stuff, and sometimes do a, a drawing instead of watching some bad TV. So yeah, it's 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 like a regular job. It's been, it's been like this for for many years now, for fifteen years or something like that. Yeah. Different studios, but the same job. Living the dream, man. You know, working school hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's. it's 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 a strange dream because you don't realize how much time you have to spend on your own when you well you know it when you're a kid you know that if you want to become good at drawing you have to sit in your room and draw the same orcs and gandalfs and uh, dungeons and dragons drawings over and over again to become good but the when you when you start to dream about becoming an artist you dream about all the the art openings and uh, the fame and the money and you don't really realize that you have to become like a studio hermit and sit and, <laughs> and speak with yourself all day and try to think up, make up new ideas for drawings and stuff like that. So I spend so much time alone here and I'm going, I'm going nuts every, like every second week. I'm just like, what am I doing here? But I, I don't really have the opportunity to go out because I have so much stuff to do here. So uh, I can go to, and pick up a sandwich and that's and I can say I want a sandwich at the shop and that's like the only time I speak with another person during my whole day. <laughs> Except from when I get home and speak with my kids who are just like pr- crazy. Yeah. So I never, never speak with grown-ups. You're the first grown-up person I've been speaking with for like five months. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Even as even, but even though it's summer over there, you know, you need to get out in summer, man. Those are uh, those Danish winters are, are harsh. Oh yeah, yeah. But I've been on holiday. This is the first week that I'm back, so okay. uh, I've been away for three or four weeks. So it's okay. But uh, I pref- well, it's 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 it can be pretty rough to to work in the summer because it's hot outside but my studio is pretty cold so it's okay and uh, and winter the winter is perfect for working because uh well there's no need to go outside and uh, and when like back in the days when i painted more graffiti than i do now the winters were perfect because it became dark around four o'clock in the afternoon so you could just go out you couldn't you could walk on the train track like at five o'clock in the afternoon, and uh, in the summer it gets dark around twelve, and then it gets light at like three o'clock at night. So you only have a couple of hours, which is uh, a lot of stress. So, so the winters are really 
perfect to paint outside here in, uh, in Scandinavia. Yeah, I remember when I was, um, I was young and I first started graffiti and, and it was in the summer when I started and then it got to winter and the, the clocks changed. And um, yeah. and it was and you know it suddenly starts getting dark and you're like oh fuck summer's over you know, and then my yeah. friends were all saying nah man it's the first day of graffiti season you know it's all starting now <laughs> and it's like it gave me a new, a new appreciation for winter you know. <laughs> yeah, because in the summer you do something else and I mean I mean you you party or whatever you go to the beach, and in the winter it's it's, it's perfect also because graffiti is more fun when you I don't like to paint on the same piece for a whole day i like to paint for like 20 minutes an hour or something like that and here it's it can get pretty cold so you don't want to paint on the same piece for five hours uh, you, you know that there's a limit that you begin to freeze after one hour so that's you you start to paint quicker uh, which is it's pretty nice you can use that also in the studio just that you you're much faster at making decisions and uh, you don't use too many colors and all that crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed with your art, you like to use uh, like blocks of colors. And, yeah, yeah. yeah, I like to do it really simple uh, because I think that the, the great joy for me in doing art is that I can go to the studio in the morning and then in the evening I can, when I go home, I can turn around and I can look at, the stuff that I'd done that day and I actually finished like two or three drawings or whatever. Um, and it, that's very satisfying. I, I hate to work on the same thing for like days, uh, many days. I, I like to finish what I do in one day. And that's the same thing with graffiti. I don't want to come back to the, and do background the next day or whatever. Um, yeah. <clears throat> uh, it, it's pretty cool just to know what you, because if you work in an office, you don't really know what you've done. You, you've been writing like 10 emails one day and you look at the computer and you can tell yourself, I've been answering 10 emails today and tomorrow the people are going to answer me and then I'm going to answer them back. And it, you don't really know what you're doing. When you're doing art, you can point at the actual painting and you can say, I did that today. And that's very satisfying. You, you, you feel that you're moving forward a bit or getting something done. Yeah. I completely agree. I've been, I've found just from my own experiences, I've been uh, doing a lot more work in the studio and I had this dream of spending like a month on a, a painting and things like that and thinking, you know, really yeah. getting stuck into things. And I yeah. found that after, after like two days of it, I'm like, man, is this thing still going? Like, <laughs> I've never spent this long on a piece. You know? <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, no. Yeah. It gets so boring. And, and, yeah. and sometimes it's, the, the the artworks they lose energy the the energy disappears because you're working on the same detail and and uh, you overdo it and uh, when you do it quick you can uh, you get used to like uh, thinking really fast yeah uh, so so it had, people are like oh how much time did you spend on that drawing and you say I spent an hour on it it's like they're like oh that's I mean and and you want that much money for it. But it's, it's that's not how you do it. Yeah, I I could tell them. Well, I can do it really slow, and I can do the same drawing, and then you have to pay twice as much. But it's not going to be a better drawing. Uh, it's the amount of drawings that you create. It's not like how much the the actual drawing takes to do. But it's not just that. It's like it's the um, you know the twenty odd years of experience that goes into the drawing, or or I don't know how many years you've been 
you know, fear your whole life, I guess, because, you know, drawings, yeah. like that, that comes into the price as well. You know, people, uh, yeah. people say, oh, it only took you five minutes. It's like, no, no, it took me like, you know, yeah. 25 years so, to get to this point. So don't know. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's, it, that's how you should do it. longer than five minutes, you know, but, um, but yeah. Exactly. But um, but your name, uh, Huskmit Naon, is that? That's how you pronounce it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's yeah. it's three words. It it means uh, remember my name. Yeah. In Danish, and uh, I have I have like a traditional graffiti name, uh, which is just like a, a sound. It's not. It doesn't make sense. It's just like five letters. And I used that in the I used that name in the nineties, and then I, when I started to do other types of projects that were like art related. I, I wanted a, to use a different name, uh, not my real name, because I still wanted to stay anonymous because I like that way of working from graffiti. And then uh, then I came up with that name. It was pretty straightforward. Uh, and then in the beginning, I was wondering if I should translate it into English whenever I worked in other countries, but then I said well they just have to learn to speak danish and i know that it's like if you're not danish and you look at my name you just think that's just like a, a like a <laughs> 15 letters and it doesn't make sense it's just like what kind of weird sound is that yeah but uh, yeah, it's danish <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's good i like it um it's taken on its own persona in in, in english you know it's um Whereas if, if it was remember my name, it would I uh, know it would be something different in English. But yeah, uh, Smith known it's uh, it's it's known. It, yeah, yeah, it's, and it's uh, like in the beginning when I worked in I've tried that a couple of times in Germany. In Germany, mit like the middle word, it it um, it means with. So they thought that I was two guys. They thought that I was Husk with noun. Yeah. And sometimes when it showed up in Germany, they were like, okay, where, which one are you, are you Husk or Noun? And where's the other guy? Yeah. We thought that <laughs> two guys. I was like, no, uh, you, you only bought one plane ticket. You know that I'm one guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so were, were, you, uh, were you heavily active in the, um, in the Copenhagen graffiti scene when you were younger? Or did you just dabble in it? Or what, what was it like? Oh, I've never been the most active guy. I've I've been pretty consistent. Uh, I've always been here, but I've never been the guy who painted ten times a week or I just did five whole cars and stuff like that. Uh, I began in the, the early nineties, and the first three or four years, I didn't know anyone else in the graffiti scene. I was just on my own, like the lone wolf, uh, and I was very bad at it. I just uh, I knew about graffiti from the it came to Denmark in '84, and I became immediately became interested in it because I was drawing a lot at that time. I was nine years old, but I didn't start to paint because I had no idea where to buy paint, and uh, I didn't know anyone else who was painting. And I I was nine years old. I went to bed at seven at night, and and my mom would have known if I snuck out. So uh, I I waited six or seven years, something like that. And then uh, one day I just bought a couple of spray cans and went to an old factory <clears throat> and uh, started to paint. And, and I didn't know anything about it. And it stayed like that for around 
three or four years. And back then there was no internet. You only had some graffiti magazines. And the way that you met other graffiti writers were, were that you showed up at some uh, legal spot in the daytime spot and you just stood there and uh, waited for people to come by. Or if you saw someone painted, uh, painting, you just walked up to him and started asking him a ton of questions. Oh, yeah, you're that guy. Blah, blah, blah. I've seen your tech there. Blah, blah. Did you go to school with that guy? Blah, 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 blah. All these questions, I mean, no one was really shy everyone was just <laughs> talking a lot and uh and so so i i i bumped into different graffiti writers but we didn't really become friends and uh, but they told me where to buy spray paint and stuff and then one day in 87 i painted a lot in eight, 90, 95 96 97 i was sort of giving up on it uh, i didn't paint that much because i was still on my own uh, I met a couple of other graffiti writers, but they were like retired graffiti writers. I, I was, they were like, yeah, you can be in our crew, but we don't paint, but you're in our crew. So I was like the only guy painting. But then just one day on the street uh, at some legal graffiti spot, I met uh, two other graffiti writers and we became friends immediately. It was like a really weird day. Uh, I've never had a day like that before. Like we... I met this guy on the street uh, with his friend and his friend was also nice and I still know him, but he went back to his place and the other guy, uh, we were hanging out and looking at this guy painting graffiti uh, and he, the guy, we didn't know him, but he was, he wanted to write total destruction over his piece, uh, but he misspelled it. So it said total distortion <laughs> over it. And we was just we were standing there laughing at it, and then uh, after that, we Burger King used to be the writers' bench in Copenhagen in the eighties, and just like we just said, oh, you want to go to Burger King? Yeah, yeah. We and then we went to Burger King, and after that, we went out and had a beer or something, and after that, we went to the cinema, which was really weird because I didn't know the guy. First date. <laughs> <laughs> it, was like a, it was like a date and then uh, a co and this also sounds like a, a really a, like a love story like oh, a month later or something he moved in with me <laughs> I shared a flat with another guy and he had to go away he had to go to Thailand or something so he moved in with me but this guy that I met on the street he was like a graffiti writer and all of his friends were part of the graffiti scene and they had this graffiti crew called BEA, which I'm part of, uh, and then, uh, yeah, we just began to hang out, and then I picked up my graffiti career again. I was, uh, I was, I was almost, almost retiring, but then, uh, and then I met all these people here, and they were all, um, his friends were all, like, creative people who wanted to go to different design schools and stuff like that, and uh, I hadn't really thought about moving in that direction because I've never met anyone who were artists or designers. But then uh, I began to dream about it. And then after a couple of years, these people became interested in street art in the, in the late 90s. And I thought, this is, this is really what I want to do, because uh, it didn't have a name back then. But it was sort of uh, mixing graffiti with the uh, new medias, like uh, posters or whatever, and then uh, doing whatever you felt like. 
uh, on the street. And I, I had been tired of graffiti many times because you have these strict rules that when you read Subway Art or whatever, you, you have all these uh, rules written where this is a graffiti crew, this is a spray can, this is how you do it, this is a, this is a piece, this is a character. And uh, it, it's almost like a rules for football or something like that. And you couldn't really add anything new to it. So when street art came along, I was like, I want to I wanna do this. I want to be that guy who, who actually makes a living on this. And I had no idea how to do it, but I just started out and became really active. Uh, I put up a lot of handmade posters around the city and did all sorts of art projects. And <clears throat> after some years, I could actually make a living of it. And uh, then I locked myself in my studio and I've been here. <laughs> in my art prison, <laughs> yeah. prison ever since. <laughs> so I, um, I read somewhere that, that uh, you were a cartoonist for a local Copenhagen newspaper. Is that is that right? Yeah, yeah. It's actually the biggest. I think it's the biggest newspaper in Denmark. Uh, I was a. I did a cartoon for nine years. It was only once a week, but uh, and it was a pretty. It was a pretty big drawing. Uh, it was it was really cool because uh, they they let me do whatever I wanted. I could do something political. I could do something about everyday life, and they never said anything. So I had a big audience, and it, that was. I stopped in 2012 and began in like two, 2003 or something, and that was back way back when people actually read newspapers. So that was the a good time to be in a newspaper, and now people are reading news online. So uh, it's not really a good place to be anymore, but uh, it, was, it was nice. And it also, um, it was a good way to uh, combine text and photos. No, or no, uh, text and, and drawings. Uh, I had to uh, make up texts and I had to make up jokes and I could use that way of thinking when I created other types of work, when I, did paintings or drawings for exhibitions and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so, um, so did the the cartoon work you were doing for the newspaper inspire the the style of art that you you know eventually started putting in galleries? Mm, not well, yes, yeah, sort of because I, many of this much I've, I've done a lot of like uh, funny <clears throat> funny types of artworks. Like I try to add some humor to the stuff that I do, but I don't know if it came before the the cartoon or or after. Uh, I think that my way of drawing is a mix of a cartoon, like a, the the European uh, version of cartoons, like uh, Asterix and Loggy Luke, and uh, like the Belgian and French tradition. And then uh, mix it with a bit of uh, Keith Haring and a bit of graffiti and uh, Walt Disney and stuff like that. And then, <clears throat> then the rest is me, I think. Yeah. So. Yeah. Do oh. you do you find it hard to make a uh, like <clears throat> like we sorry we working like the cartoon doing the comic strip was that your side thing and then you're always um, you know working towards an art career or. You weren't sure where you were going, and you just sort of getting by, or how, how how did the art career all come about? Well, in the beginning, I I didn't need so much money to get by because I didn't have a family, so uh, 
I could live off uh, like I don't know 500 euros so uh, a month or something like that. So I, I had the cartoon thing and that paid for my rent. And then I did other types of art projects uh, the rest of the time, and that was mainly painting murals and uh, doing exhibitions, like the same things that I'm doing now, basically. Uh, I've always tried to work on everything at the same time, like doing small stuff and big stuff and uh, funny stuff and serious stuff. And I like the variation. It's pretty important not to work on the same thing. I would, I'm not like dreaming about only painting graffiti or only doing paintings. Uh, it's, it's very nice to like work on a small drawing. And after that, you can go and paint a big painting just to, so you don't have to sit down all the time and, uh, also, when you've done stuff outside the studio, if you've been to another city or another country, it's nice to get back to the studio and uh, you can you don't have to speak to anyone. You can just sit here and be the master of your own little world on the on a piece of paper. Uh, so I, I like the variation; it's, it's very important. Yeah, but I know, I know many artists who like do the same painting over and over again. And I've, I've never really understood that. It's, it's because I, I, when I think of art, I think about, well, that's a place where you can, people have a lot of Im imagination and people have so many ideas. And, and when you enter the art world, you all of a sudden you meet so many people who only have one idea and like one image they paint over and over again or, and, and you think, what, why are you in this business? I mean, <laughs> there are so many opportunities here. You can go anywhere, you can do whatever, and you, you're painting the same mountain every day. Or, and, and sometimes it's because that, mount, that painting of that mountain sells really well, and sometimes it's because they're just stuck. I don't know why. Yeah. But I think it's, it's, it's important to challenge yourself, like not every day, but once in a while. Yeah, it's like the same. It's it's like a writer that has one outline, and, and you know he's really prolific yes. with the same sketch. Well, one throw up, yeah. but you could be successful if you did that throw up the first time like forty five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> People <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> did that on a subway yeah. <laughs> train. <laughs> wow. Yeah, is uh, <laughs> has, has your art career uh, been smooth sailing, or have you had some like uh, rocky patches over the years? It's it's been pretty steady. Uh, I've 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 been uh, I've been pretty fortunate because I uh, I I became established before the financial crisis. <clears throat> so when that hit the world, I I survived it. Also because I did so many different projects. So when gallery art just stopped when the galleries just started to close and no one was buying paintings anymore, I could do like cartoons and mur paint murals and uh, do some silk screen prints or whatever. So I didn't really, I wasn't affected by the crisis very much. Uh, so it's in, in terms of uh, like uh, earnings and uh, uh, having uh, different projects to work on it, it's been it's been good ever since i started but then sometimes the only thing bothering me is this uh is this that i'm working alone i'm really sometimes it's really cool but right now i'm really <laughs> missing other people so that's that's the only thing i'm working on the rest of the things are, are going okay i don't i don't really i just uh 
work and develop ideas and uh, spend a lot of time on it, but uh, I'm not really struggling. Uh, yeah, not financially, just socially. Socially, socially, <laughs> I'm becoming, I'm becoming real man. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can always go get a, um, a studio in a shared space, like where you've got your own room and you've got your own space, but then there's other people in the building and you can hang out in the kitchen and have a cup of coffee. Yeah, but and... yeah, 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 but it's, it's I, I, this is, I've had around 12, 12 different studios and, uh, in every studio I'm, I'm sharing the studio because not a lot of people I'm actually making a living of, uh, creating art. So people also always have like another job and then they work, uh, on that job in the daytime and they come to the studio at night and I'm, I'm at home at night. Mm. And uh, I, I, this studio where I'm at not right now, I share it with some other people, but they're only here on weekends and at night, so I, I'm, I'm all alone here. And, uh, and usually I'm at a studio, like um, I change studio every third year or something like that. And uh, I think it's like yesterday I started looking for a new studio because I've been here two or three years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need to, need to move on because I... I hate to I hate moving, but I also like it a bit just to uh, yeah Mix change uh, yeah change surroundings yeah yeah um, so with the uh, like with your art career was there one um, one big art sale or exhibition or or moment or person you met or anything like that that really was a turning point for your art career? I think that. Uh, in the very beginning, I had uh, I have a, like a graffiti friend who uh, he actually I think he stopped making art, but he was super talented and he was like the driving force behind the whole uh, street art movement in, in Denmark. And he introduced me to a lot of people and um, and I remember I was like with my ex girlfriend. I was on a I was on a holiday many years ago. 15 years ago and I remember like sitting eating some really bad burger and he called me and said oh uh, you want to be in a group show in in, uh, in Germany in Berlin and that was like the first time I've ever done something outside of Denmark and it was these um, uh, back jumps exhibitions where and they were like the first some of the first real big exhibitions in the, in the, in Europe with the Chipper Ferry and Banksy and people like that, and uh, and when I got that call, I was like, uh, I could just sense, okay, this is uh, this is like the next level or something like that. Now things are moving in a in a new direction, but all those things actually happened because of the old graffiti network. All the a lot of people knew each other from the nineties because this this guy that I'm talking about, my my friend, he used to make a graffiti magazine. And the way people saw graffiti in other countries were that, like, people traded uh, photos of graffiti and they put, made these small magazines themselves. But uh, in the in the like a code, like ten years later, people still had that network of, of people from back when people people did uh, magazines, and uh, and then slowly people around Europe started making uh, galleries and different types of projects. And we had this old, old boys network 
and that's how I actually got to do all these exhibitions around uh, around the world because of uh, the graffiti scene before the internet. Um, and also this first exhibition in Germany came out of that because Adrian, who curated the show, he used to do a graffiti magazine called Back Jumps in Berlin, and then he made these exhibitions. Yeah. Was that was a magazine in, uh, in uh, Copenhagen, was that Magic Moments? Was it that one? No, Magic Moments were, it was a bit later. This magazine was called uh, F- uh, Fucked Up Magazine okay. by a Danish guy called Jan Danebull. But then, yeah, Magic Moments came a little bit later. Magic Moments, what I remember it, it, it was all color, I yeah. think. Yeah, I used to in love the, that magazine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the beginning, it was just black and white. And then sometimes they wrote on the front, pra- like on the cover, like two spreads of uh, color or something like that. Yeah, big, big selling and point. Was, uh-huh. But still, when you look at graffiti, when you look at old graffiti on the internet, you see these uh, old photos pop up, and you've never seen the, the the actual graffiti piece in color. You're like, wow! I've been looking at that black and white photos for like a thousand times, and what? And it looks like that. I I've never seen the color. Yeah. So in the beginning, graffiti was just black and white. Yeah. At least I could. The graffiti in Copenhagen wasn't color, but in any other city, it was black and white. Yeah. <laughs> it's like in. Uh in New York in, in the early days when, when they didn't even have them, uh, you know, they didn't even print their negatives. They had the, the negatives of their photos to, yeah. to look at the, look at their panels and everything. <laughs> <laughs> and they just have the reverse color combinations. That's how like the, the, the white outline and, and, and black highlights came oh, out, yeah. of, you know, it's from them look, checking out the negatives of their pieces, you know, Oh yeah, yeah. that's fun. <laughs> it would have been a real trip if you're just looking at your negatives for years and then you get them all printed out. And <laughs> <fuck>. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Yeah, yeah. But, but one of the um, the first time uh, you really stood out to me was I remember you had an exhibition back in 2010 in in Brussels with Barry McGee. Yeah. Did that, did that really open up a a lot of um, galleries for you and like doors? I've never. I think everything has, um, when I do some sort of a prolific project or some some big project, I can never really uh, see the actual effect afterwards. It sometimes, something comes like two years later or something and people are like, oh yeah, it's because I saw that two years ago. It's it, Usually it's not like I do a big thing and then the month, the following month, I'm super busy. It just, uh, it slowly evolves. But yeah. that, to tell you a little bit about that show, it was crazy because <laughs> it it was just a crazy experience because I uh, I was pretty I had been I had been sick before I had uh, before I needed to go to Brussels, uh, where, just before I had to leave for Brussels I had the flu or something, and I thought I was well, but then I went to the airport, and in the airport I was standing at the security line and. Uh, I was uh, all of a sudden I was feeling really sick and I was like oh and I had to th- throw up and uh, I was like this is not a good place to throw up in the security line and then uh, I fainted and I woke up and I was sitting I was lying on the floor in, in the in the airport and I looked to my right and I was saw some and I saw a foot almost stepping on my tooth my front tooth it had fallen out and I was like, oh, 
it's my front tooth. And I picked up my tooth. <laughs> and there was these uh, two security guys. They were like, oh, yeah, you fainted. You fell straight on your head. The ambulance is going to be here in uh, five minutes. And then I went uh, to the hospital. And they checked my heart and everything. And they said, well, you just... You're all right. You just, you just fainted. You were wearing too much clothes. You're still <laughs> you're still a little bit sick or whatever. They were like they checked me completely, and after that I went straight. I took a taxi, went straight to the dentist. He I had my tooth in my uh, pocket, and he looked at it and he was he, he said, "Oh man, you're lucky. It fits," and he just put it in like with some glue, and then he said, "Oh yeah, you're all ready to go," and then. I went home. I, I had called my girlfriend from the airport and I said, uh, don't worry, I'm, nothing really happened. I, <laughs> I'm not on the airplane. I'm at the hospital <laughs> or something like that. And, uh, and she was like, what? And then the next day I went to Brussels uh, to do the exhibition and I was really dizzy. The whole week I was there, I was not feeling well. <laughs> but... Um, well, it was, it was an all right uh, experience, but it's it's funny because uh, Barry McGee he all, he always has a lot of hangarounds. So I was it was pretty hard to speak with him because there were always these five <laughs> graffiti writers speaking with him, and I was like, hey, can you step aside a bit because I'm trying to do an exhibition with this guy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, oh, can you write in my black book? Blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, but eventually we had the exhibition made and uh, it turned out all right and uh, it was fun. Uh, And I don't really, I mean, I I got introduced to the way I I did because the way we set up the exhibition was that we used to, our graffiti crew called Ass Crew used to do a small magazine, only 30 copies in in the 90s. We were 30 people in the graffiti crew. It was more like a party crew. Not we didn't. Not everybody wrote graffiti. And then uh, one guy, one of the guys had interviewed uh, Barry McGee in the mid 90s in uh, in San Francisco. So we just wrote him and asked, "Hey, you want to make illustrations for our, for a graffiti magazine? It's it's 30 copies. You can have a copy if you want." And he was like, "Hey, yeah, sure." And uh, and he, uh, he illustrated the graffiti magazine. And then I met him in Copenhagen because he had a he had a, an exhibition. And then uh, yeah, we we knew each other a, a tiny bit. And then the gallery owner in Brussels wrote him and said, "Hey, you want to do an exhibition with this guy?" And he was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that magazine. Sure." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, what? You want to do an exhibition with me? Okay, sure, I'll do it." Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, I really like the uh, the fact that you've you've stuck to your um, your roots and you haven't changed your style to fit like what most people consider to be like fine art. You know, you've uh, yeah. have you have you ever been like pressured to paint more serious subjects? Not really, but I know that I know that if you do really serious art, uh, you get. Uh, people take you more seriously and you can also sell your stuff for way much more money if you do a painting where it looks like that you're about to commit suicide people are like whoa this is pretty deep but if you do a funny painting people are like whoa this is pretty funny but i'm not gonna pay a million dollars for that but it's funny 
so you have to make up your mind. Do you want to do something? It's like the it's like this fairy tale called the Empress New Clothes. People are like really afraid of uh, not understanding art. So uh, if if they don't understand it, they will never <laughs> tell you that they don't understand it. They will be like, oh, this is I don't really understand it. It must be because it's it's another level. Uh, it's not because it's bad art. It's just because it's another level, uh, and that's why serious art is often really hard to understand and sometimes it's because it's really good art and sometimes it's because the artist is really bad at communicating um, but I decided from the beginning that I wanted a really big audience and I, I, I'm not afraid to do a show for children in kinder, in a kindergarten or old people about like uh, 100 year old people or I, I don't care uh, as long as people get something out of it and I want to make something that where people can recognize themselves when they look at the the image they can say oh yeah I've tried that situation uh, I, I'm also afraid of being in an elevator or, or whatever hmm. um, so as long as I can make a living of it I, I don't really worry about that my art is not uh, like the most expensive art in the world and uh, I, I, I don't really think about that much yeah <laughs> it's um i've noticed like a lot of dad jokes and like family yeah. references in your in your pieces like um is uh like i take it you, you take a lot of um reference from your home life well i i use i've always taken references from my surroundings and uh you move in a very small circle when you have a family. You, you're at home, you take care of your kids, you get on your bike, you go to a studio, you, you go home and you do the same thing all over again. So I have two sources of inspiration. It's my family and it's when I go to pick up lunch at the supermarket or whatever. And that takes around 15 minutes or something like that. I look at everyone all the people passing by when I go to the supermarket, like, what, what is he wearing? Or, like, because I'm only out of the studio for 15 minutes every day. And then when I get home, I have, because children are pretty funny. Uh, and uh, you're, I mean, you're always, you don't, when you're a parent, you sort of know, like, what you're doing. And then, like, half of the time, you know what you're doing, half of the time, you don't. And uh, there are so many situations where you fuck up and you're, or you're very wonderful or whatever it's called. And, and, and uh, so, so it's, it's easy to paint. I can just scrape off the, the inspiration of the floor. It's just right there in front of me. Um, and then I, I also like that it, it reflects where I am at personally in my life, that I don't uh, only do... Uh, uh, drawings about skateboarding or, or, or painting graffiti at night or stuff that I did when I was 20 or, or, or 19 years old. Or I like that people can recognize uh, themselves in, in my life and also that they can see that I'm moving forward. So I intend to like keep it that way. So when I'm 60 or 70, I want to do art about being 70 because no one is doing that. Uh, about like art about pissing your pants and uh, not remembering anything. And 
<laughs> that's going to be really fun. Yeah. So I have noticed that with your uh, art over the years, you have sort of, you know, if you look at the older art, you were doing, you were painting people, of, I guess, of your age group. And now, now you're yeah. painting people, and you've been painting more family situations and uh, yeah, ta- taking taking your surroundings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when I did the cartoon for the newspaper, that was when I was in my 20s before I had kids. So and um, so that was a that was mainly about uh, getting drunk and waking up the next day and uh, stuff like that, like stuff that you do when you're when you're 25. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I I also want to do stuff that no one else is doing because when I look around, I can see that people are doing a lot of different things. And right now, abstract art is pretty popular. And and to me, it's like, well, abstract art is it's, it's nice to have on your wall, but it's not really telling me anything. Uh, I want to be the first one to paint uh, a guy uh, checking his uh, smartphone when he's taking a dump or whatever. Like all these situations that are everyone experienced but it's not really represented in the art world. So there are so many images that stuff that you do a hundred times a day, but it's never been drawn. Yeah. Uh, so I want to do that. Yeah. So you're, you're pretty, uh, you know, you live in the present moment and you're always thinking about, you know, like you're in a situation and you're always thinking this could be coming your work its way into my artwork. Is that right? Well, yeah, I try, I try to be open. Uh, well, I'm also checking my phone all the time and uh, doing the same things that everyone else is doing. So I really have to force myself to actually look up and, and look at my surroundings. But when I work, I, I sit down and I try to think about situations that other people might also have experienced. Um, like not being able to find uh, a pair of socks, only different types of socks or whatever. Uh, all these things that that are common problems for people in the Western world, and also for sometimes also for people in <laughs> Africa or something like that, um, because there we we live in such a small world now. I, I bet that like 200 years ago, the world was much more divided. If you lived in Africa, you lived in uh, you had a totally different life from when you, if you lived at a castle in Europe. Uh, but now we're all we're all watching the same TV shows. We're all hearing the same music, wearing the same clothes, knowing the same celebrities. Uh, so all these references, uh, you can click into them. You can, when you draw them, millions of people are going to know what you're talking about or what, what you're trying to show. So that, and, and with the internet, you, you can have a, it, it's stupid just to make something that refers to, uh, what we are doing in Denmark or, or, or like some sort of like some Danish problem. It's, it's much more cool to do something that people in Argentina would also understand. Yeah. Um, but, but I also like, sometimes I get political and uh, do something about what we're, what goes on in Denmark. And sometimes I'll do stuff in Danish also yeah. just to, uh, <laughs> it's easier. Yeah. <laughs> I've been uh, I've been loving all the the folded and torn paper drawings you've been doing. Like, how did all that come about? Was that like uh, just one day you did, you folded the paper and and you worked something out and then you ran with it or? Well, it 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 evolved slowly. 
when I look back at what I've done, I could see that I perhaps started doing some experimenting five years ago, like with the, I think it began with like, I had two drawings uh, next to each other. And perhaps there was like one guy on one of the drawings and he kicked a ball and it landed on the other drawing. So it, it was sort of like a cartoon, but you could have it in an exhibition, like two or three drawings next to each other. And then, um, so I started to look at the paper differently, like what what can you actually, it, it, it came out of just being plain bored or something. I, I was sitting at my studio and uh, I've been spending like most of my life staring at this square piece of paper. And uh, in at some point you start to wonder, well, what if I bend it a little bit or uh, or perhaps you there's a piece of paper on the floor and you can see well it's it's the paper is curly and uh, if you draw a face underneath it the the curly part of the paper can be the hair or something uh, so I started to do these experiments and then I've also I've always tried to have some part of some part of my work where there was no money involved where I, I, I create stuff that I know from the beginning that I can't sell and, and these folded drawings, you can't frame them. Uh, people ask me all the time, well, can I buy it? And, but I, I just say no all the time. I, I don't sell them because, uh, I, well, it's, they're not meant to, meant to be sold. I, I like the idea of only creating stuff and not having to think about uh, how much should it cost. So I try to use like, I don't know, 20% of my time uh, doing these sorts of projects. And then uh, when I first started to do these drawings and uh, I discovered, well, I can do, uh, I can actually make a lot of different images just by folding the drawings in, in a paper in different directions. When I, when I'd done around a hundred or something, I, I looked at them and I said, well, I could actually make a book of this. I could, uh, there, if I, if I do a little bit more, I can, I can make a book and that's how I can, collect collect the drawings and, and people can actually buy them uh, not that you make a lot of a ton of money doing a book but it's a it's a fun way to like uh, end the project i don't know i, I still do it but yeah because uh. <laughs> i've i no did you notice you got a big instagram following from from doing them and sort of you know you because you, you do a lot of art and you know your art yeah, yeah. Using, galleries and you know but that's only here and you know from time to time but with yeah. those drawings they seem to be popping up every day or two on instagram as a yeah i can do it of, you know stay active yeah well i yeah it is and i like to whenever there's a new kind of uh, media where you can show your stuff i like to embrace it i like to if, if the first time i I did a show in a gallery. I was like, well, this is a new opportunity. What can you actually do here that you can't do on the street? What are the advantages of making stuff indoor? And you, you know that, well, here I can do a painting. Uh, I don't have to think about the weather. I, I, I can do a really uh, fragile sculpture and stuff. And when the, the internet, internet, when people started using the internet and Instagram, uh, I discovered that the screen is pretty small, the picture is pretty small. There's no need to paint a huge mural because it doesn't really fit on the screen. When I looked at how many likes I got, each photo got, I could see that if I did a small doodle, I could get like 15 times as many likes than 
if I took a photo of an exhibition that I've been working on for five months. Yeah. And that's because on the like on the tiny screen on the phone, uh, it, it works much better if it's just like a, a, a simple outline. Uh, and that's when I discovered, well, I can just do these drawings. It, it's people can understand it, but uh, if I if I work on it, I can do something that is uh, people can still be surprised and wonder. How did he do it? But if you look closer at it, you can see that it's actually pretty simple done. I have, I try not to make it too complicated. I don't use a scissor. I don't use tape. I don't, I don't use all these uh, different things. I just use a pen and a piece of paper. And then, uh, you know, have to know a bit, little bit about uh, drawing in what's it called perspective. Or, uh, but I experiment. I just, uh, I use a cheese like a couple of cheap, cheap pieces of paper, just for paper you use in the printer. And I experimented by tearing it apart and folding it a bit. And when I discover something that I can use, I use a little, some drawing paper, which is a little bit thicker. Uh, I don't want to spend too much of that paper because it's expensive. So, uh, and that's how I do it. And I, I use all the small breaks that I have through the day, uh, if I'm tired of writing emails, I can uh, I can do like make up a, a a drawing like that, or uh, if the kids are watching TV or something like that, I can uh, I can uh, do a drawing like that. Yeah, now they're really good. I've noticed you got cool. some uh, coloring books as well, a coloring book and a, and a children's book that's coming out as well. Yeah, 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 it's coming out next week. So you got you got three books all 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 in a row. Yeah, and they were supposed to to come out the same day, but then uh, the, the the children book got it was printed in uh, China or something like that, and it was delayed. So uh, so the the other two books are coming out next week, and uh, the children children's book is for uh, like really small children, like uh, two years old or something like that. And then the coloring book is uh, I've noticed that if you take if you look at a traditional coloring book. The, the images have, uh, there's no story in it. It's just like a, a photo of a unicorn, or a drawing of a unicorn, or, or a drawing of a princess, or a drawing of a frog. It, it's like, uh, they, they're not trying to tell you anything. It's, it's super boring. It's, it, they look like they've been done by a robot or something. <laughs> and uh, I thought that if, if, if I made some images that you could actually look at, uh, like if it was a book and you could uh, have fun by looking at it. And then if you also felt like coloring the drawings, you could do that. But you could also just look at the drawings. Uh, so I made a lot of images about uh, uh, children and uh, and their parents in different situations. Because often when you have a coloring book, it's the child and their mother or father. They're sitting at the table and doing it together. Yeah. Uh, so, so that that was the main idea behind that one, and and the way that I draw really fit well because I, I do like a black outline, so it's the same thing you see in a coloring book. So it's sort of like the uh, the modern day you know cartoon or like you know like Pixar and all that they make they make the movies now, so the, the adults can sit there and actually be entertained as well instead of just watching some children's. Yeah. Film, yeah. Because the, the adults, they are the ones who are paying, so uh, they need to be interested in it also. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm thinking about where where are the money 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, the, they're the customer, not the kids. The kids aren't buying it. <laughs> um, do you have any uh, any other like future plans or projects in the pipeline? Um, right now, I'm working on uh, on doing an exhibition in a couple of weeks. It's a group show here in Denmark. Uh, and I'm doing some zombies made out of wood that are going to be in the garden. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> I haven't done any of them yet, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to cut them out and, uh, paint some zombies that are coming up, uh, from, yeah, they're, they're supposed to be buried and then they're coming up in the lawn and, yeah. uh, I don't know. And it's a group show uh, which one of my friends have curated, and uh, it's a Danish artist. And then I think he, Keith Herring is also in it, which is pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's really nice. Yeah. So that's, like the, that's two, the two pack of art. He's uh, yeah, yeah, completely. It pops up <laughs> new album, <laughs> new exhibition. Yeah, he so. pops up here. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's the next thing. I have other, I have other things. I, I work on a lot of different things at the time, but then tomorrow, no, on Monday, I'm going to do a couple of zombies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to, I'll keep an eye out for them. I look forward to seeing them. Um, <laughs> so where's the best, best place for people to check out your, your artwork online? Um, I actually, I have like, a, I have a, blog a tumblr blog and then an instagram instagram account and a facebook account and i post the same photo on all three of them it's pretty lazy and then i have a i have a website whosmenow.com but uh it's always a little bit behind you know i i update it once a year or something um so you can also see stuff there but it's it's, it's it should be pretty easy to find if you if you see my name you just Google it. Google me, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, well, thanks for coming on the show. It's been, uh, been, been great to sit down and have a chat and find out a bit more about you. <laughs> That's cool. All right. It's been nice, nice to practice my English. <laughs> yeah. And talk yes. to someone. <laughs> and talk to someone. Help me. Get me out of here. Yeah. Help me. <laughs> get help. Yeah. Check out the Bench Talk website, benchtalkpodcast.com. There you can listen to past episodes and keep up to date with what's up and coming on the, the podcast. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes on the podcast app. You can also listen on SoundCloud. Just search for Bench Talk. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, bench underscore talk. Thanks, and I look forward to you tuning in again next week. See ya.